Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Yes, we are there. 20 weeks of podcast mania. We're celebrating our 20th episode, so make sure that you listen to our little bonus episode that we dropped. Little treat for you guys. Oh wait, this the bonus episode is coming out after this episode. Well, there's a bonus episode. Oh, fuck. Is it coming after? Yeah, there's a bonus episode. It's like, it's coming out half an hour later. All right. So, yeah, know, so some surprise. of you, yeah, some, some of you. you will listen to it. Other people will be like, my God, where's this bonus episode? Our review this week is Hereditary. Hereditary was released in 2018. It has an IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10 and a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 89%. So pretty good stuff. Do you want a synopsis? Yeah, give us a synopsis. When Ellen, the matriarch of the Graham family, passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. The more they discover, the more they find themselves trying to outrun the sinister fate they seem to have inherited. Making his feature debut, writer-director Ari Aster unleashes a nightmare vision of a domestic breakdown that exhibits the craft and precision of a nascent auteur transforming a familial tragedy into something ominous and deeply disquieting and pushing the horror movie into chilling new terrain with its shattering portrait of a heritage gone to hell. So many big words in that synopsis. Yes, I know, right? And I also want to argue with this synopsis in that it keeps saying the family discover. No, the mother discovers. Yeah. The rest of the family thinks she's fucking mental. Yeah, which I guess is where they get the hereditary from because I guess that's what's quite clever about this film is that it sort of leads you down that line of thinking that maybe what you're seeing is to do with a mother's mental illness, which is what you say for all of our stories. Yeah, because you find out quite early on that the mum's brother had schizophrenia, the mum had dissociative identity disorder, and the dad had psychosis. Yeah. So obviously it kind of seems natural to the audience that she would be displaying signs of mental illness as well. And, and she then, is and absolutely she is. mental she is. during She's it. mad. And it's Tony Collette who plays her, and she is stunning she has such a brilliant horror film face <gasps> she just looks terrifying and it's sort of complemented by the lighting as well from the film which i just think is fantastic there's some which again is really geeky to say but there are some fantastically lit scenes one of which sort of coincides with what you're saying about the mum where she's having a massive rant at the family around the dinner table and it's lit from a lamp above and her face just looks even more manic than it actually does because of the way that it's lit. It's incredible. Yeah, it's brilliant because the shadows on her face make her look even, it makes it even more pronounced that she's somehow having this like crazy breakdown. It's got really good occult ideas that are quite subtle throughout. Yep. And then it all goes to absolute shit at the end. So that's the thing with this film. Like when I, when we saw it in the cinema, there, it was I found it really unnerving up until the last sort of 15 minutes, I think, maybe 20, where I just thought it got a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, so th- throughout it, there's the little sister who's 13. She makes this really horrific noise the whole way through where she goes, that's her, like, it's like her tick. That becomes a, like a really frightening thing later on. And the, the the kind of scares in it are quite subtle up until the last 20 minutes when it does all go to absolute shit. And there are so many naked people in that last 20 minutes. So many titties. So like Veronica so last willies. week. Like Veronica last week, but on acid. Yeah. So she just sees her naked dad. But actually in the last 20, which I mean, which is traumatizing in itself. So is it worse seeing naked dad or naked strangers? I think it would be worse seeing your naked dad because you yeah, have to like, sit so down well. for dinner with him the next day yeah. and pretend you haven't seen his penis. Yeah, because he, he might accidentally stumble on a nudie speech. And yeah, to, like if yeah. I have to see naked strangers, I never have to see them again. I don't well, the need naked to look, bike riding kind of <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to look them in the eye. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> what would you give this film out of five? So I think in the cinema, I found it unnerving. When we watched it again, I was more fascinated by it. I think there was one time where I jumped, which I completely forgot about, and I actually jumped from the mum's screaming, not from the jump scare itself. I really like it, but I think I'd probably give it a 4.5 out of five. Um, the ending ruins it. Four marks of that would have been because it is a good film and 0.5 is because I think it is the start of a new dawn of horror movies. So I think that Ari Aster and Jordan Peele are, I think we'll look back on them maybe in five, ten years and we'll see that they're actually at the forefront of doing something a bit different with horror, whether you like that or not, where it sort of focuses a little bit more on the horror that comes from people and how they can generate supernatural stuff. So if you think about Get Out, if you've seen that. Brilliant film. um, And the new film that's coming up that looks terrifying from the trailer. Us. Us. And then the Midsummer, which is the new Ari Aster film, which is coming out, all sort of link, very similarly shot, similar sort of use of sound and light, similar sort of focus on humanity and occultism. I think they're probably at the start of something, a little new take, a fresh take on horror. A little different. Yeah. What about yourself? What would you give it? I'd give it four out of five because I think the ending was just mental. The ending is, the ending does ruin the film. The ending was bizarre. As a film that was really promising, I would have preferred if the ending was more ambiguous. It gives you a definite answer, which is not the answer that I think anybody wants or needed. And it's just strange. The ending is really strange. And there's so, so many penises in that ending. Yeah, maybe if he just wandered off into the woods. Maybe if there just wasn't loads of penises that are inexplicable. Do you have penophobia? I do have penophobia. <laughs> is that a word? I've, no, you've just made that up. Okay. I'm going to have to look up now the phobia of penises <laughs> after this. If it anybody knows, thing. if anybody knows what the phobia of penises is, can you please text us in? Text into the station. <laughs> <laughs> so as it is our 20th episode, we decided to do a listener episode because we get listener submissions all the time. And if you have sent me a, a, an email with a listener submission or a, or a message on Facebook or whatever, I will get around to it eventually. But we do have some sort of a vague schedule. So for today's episode, it's going to be quite long. For all of those who are like, you need to make longer episodes, your wish has been granted for this one week. It's not quite three three hour long episodes a week, as one person demanded. Yes, a one person requested (laughs) during the week. um, I can't remember his name, but he very nicely requested during the week that we do three episodes a week of one hour long each. And I was like, man, I can barely get half an hour episodes out. <laughs> so I don't know if I can do three one hour episodes. That's mental. It's sweet that people want to listen to us for that long. Though. Can't believe people want to listen to us for that long. <laughs> talking absolute shite. I'm really excited about this episode because I don't have really anything to do with the social media. And so I don't have any idea what these stories are about. So although I'm not really ready for it in terms of preparing myself for, to be scared, I am ready to hear these new stories that I won't have heard before. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Our first story is a haunting. Our first. second story is a... I, I said first and then put up three fingers to Dan. <laughs> that's why he's laughing. So our first story is a haunting. Our second story is, I would say, a demonic story. Nice. 
And our third story is a Ouija board story. Oh, oh, hang on. All right, we need to sort this out. We need more alien stories. So let us know all about your uh, people don't like alien, alien stories. No, thank you. Don't send them. Don't send them my way. I don't need that in my life. Are you ready for story number one? Never ready, but anticipating it eagerly. Story number one comes from the lovely Andrew Dexter, and it is called The Haunting of Gladstone Villa. My family and I lived at a large property called Gladstone Villa in the former mining town of Bargoed in the Carefilly County Borough of the South Wales Valleys in the UK. From 1969 to 1978, we experienced activity that simply defied rational explanation. We witnessed lights going on and off, electrical cables being pulled and my grandfather Bill claimed to have had a glass bottle thrown towards him as he entered the main bedroom, missing him by inches. I didn't personally see this myself, but I can still remember the time he came from the bedroom with the broken bottle in his hands and he told us what had happened. There was the occasional sighting, but this was very rare indeed. So rare that in all the nine years I was there, I never once saw it, but I did hear it many times in the bedroom. My mother Caroline saw it on at least two occasions. There were also regular footsteps heard in the main bedroom every evening. Sometimes during the day when we'd all be downstairs watching TV, one of us would turn the volume down to hear it more clearly, and my grandfather would point to the ceiling and say, he's here, and he's there now, trying to make out exactly where the footsteps were coming from and where they were going. There were five members of the family that were living at Gladstone Villa. My maternal grandfather, William Higgs, known as Bill to family and friends, a retired miner who worked at the local colliery, He was a short, bald man who liked nothing more than to listen to his country and western LPs, Johnny Cash and Glen Campbell and so on. He also liked westerns on TV that starred John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. My maternal grandmother was Rita Higgs. She was a short woman who was a housewife. She was completely teetotal but liked a cigarette. She also liked collecting garden gnomes and liked watching soap operas on TV. My mother, Caroline Dexter, met my father at the local bakehouse in Baldwin Street. She worked a day shift and my father worked a night shift. He would stay behind to make her a cup of tea and have a chat. They dated for three years before they got married on Monday the 1st of April 1968. The Beatles were number one with Lady Madonna. They did not get a place of their own but they decided to live with my grandparents at Gladstone Villa which was in Cardiff Road. I was born on the 24th of August 1969 when everyone was listening to the latest number one in the charts, Honky Tonk Woman by the Rolling Stones. It was soon after that, that my mother said strange things started to happen. Can we pause for a second? Yep. Can we enjoy the wholesomeness of this story so far? Love it. Absolutely. I am adoring the references to music throughout. Yeah, me too. Me too. (gasps) I just finished, I read a book called Gone Just Gone, which is a series of small cases of people, missing people over the years um, written by a father and son team and that they contextualise all their stories by telling us what's number one at the time which so I think that's a really nice trait and there's also awesome songs so far as well good love songs. a bit of Glen Campbell we're going to have more songs going forward so you'll be glad to know okay, good good I was just a baby when she said it all started off it started rather quietly like small tapping here and there but nothing too noticeable but in time the activity gradually increased One time my mother said the family heard a noise. A noise like somebody jumping down from the attic and onto the landing. Oh, hello, dear David. (laughs) Naturally thinking that someone was trying to break in, they went to see what was going on. When they got there, they found nobody, but the hatch to the attic was open. Whatever it was eventually occupied itself in the main bedroom, which incidentally was my grandparents' room. It soon made its presence felt by walking around the bedroom and the sounds of unexplained dragging could be heard regularly. One day my mother went upstairs to get my father up for work so he could get ready for his night shift. When she got there, she was confronted by the sight of the ironing board placed on my father's chest as he slept. When he awoke, he was astonished to find the situation he was in. He suspected my grandfather was playing pranks, but in time he knew my grandfather was not responsible for it, and he told his work friends what was going on, and it got around town that Gladstone Villa was haunted. My parents separated in 1972 and my father left Gladstone Villa, but it wasn't because of what was going on in the house. It was just a breakdown of their marriage. They finally divorced on the 25th of April 1975. The British band The Bay City Rollers were number one in the charts with Bye Bye Baby. Very apt. It would have been amusing but for the fact of what was going on in the house. I was barely two years old so I have no memory of my father living at Gladstone Villa but he would come and see me every Saturday to take me to see my paternal grandparents and to the local cinema. Great times, even though the paranormal activity still continued. 
As I got older, I eventually saw the poltergeist activity for myself. I saw the electrical cables being pulled by unseen forces. I saw lights going on and off, and when my grandfather would play records on the Sunday as the family did the dinner, it would turn the music off. Whatever it was took exception to the British band Slade and any religious TV shows my grandmother Rita would watch. Over time, the local police became involved, particularly due to activity in the attic. I remember them popping their heads into the attic, hesitating and not going in, but they suggested that it was probably just my father playing a prank on the family. A family friend, Mrs Ivy France, was very sceptical when my grandmother told her that Gladstone Villa was haunted. I can still remember Ivy going into the main bedroom, looking around and saying it was probably vibration from the traffic outside that was causing it. She suggested that if we were really worried, we should contact the local press and a medium to investigate the house. The medium was John Matthews, and when he came to Gladstone Villa, he started by asking the family questions. He then began by challenging the spirit to perform by knocking on the ceiling, and sure enough, it responded by knocking back at him. At some point, John went into a trance to try and make contact, but he failed to get a name. He later confirmed the obvious, that there was indeed a presence there, and it was an earthbound spirit, and that it had unfinished business. A priest by the name of Graham Jones was called to Gladstone Villa. He blessed the property, and after a few prayers, he duly left, and it was quiet for a few short months after that. No incidents. But it did return. And with a vengeance. And this time it decided to show itself. One evening, my grandfather, my mother and I were watching television. My grandmother was reading a book when all of a sudden my mother just so happened to look to her left and she saw a full, solid figure of a monk standing by the doorway. We did not see this as we were otherwise occupied, but she described it in detail as a monk in typical brown habit, complete with hood over his head so she couldn't see his face. It sounded very much like a 16th century Benedictine monk. Fred Davies was a friend of my grandfather. They worked together at the local colliery and he would visit most evenings. Fred was a slim man who would wear a flat cap and glasses and smoked hand-rolled cigarettes that hung from his lips when he spoke. He would sit in his favourite chair by the open fire and talk to the family and watch TV with us. One day Fred was with us, in his usual place by the open fire. I was quietly playing with my toys by the sideboard. It was quiet, when all of a sudden there was one very loud bang. It was so loud that Fred ducked his head and I ran to my mother for comfort. When it was quiet, we all went upstairs. My grandfather was first and I was last. When we got to that bedroom, we found nothing that could account for the noise. Fred later told us that he ducked his head as it was so loud that he thought it was going to come through the ceiling. Fred told us of another experience he had at Gladstone Villa. My grandfather liked to look out the landing window that overlooked Cardiff Road and into Bargoed Town Centre. One particular time, Fred joined him, and he said he felt something brush past him, something physical. But when he looked, there was nothing there. The most frightening experience I had was when I was alone in that particular bedroom. I made sure the light was on, and it was very quiet. I was lying on the bed facing the window that overlooked Cardiff Road when I suddenly felt something heavy pounce on the bottom of the bed. I heard the bed springs go, and I physically felt the bed bounce. I didn't look straight away, but when I did, there was nothing there. I went downstairs to tell my family and we all went back up to check. We saw distinctive paw marks on the bed like that of a large animal. There were no animals living in the house at the time, although my grandfather had had a large black Labrador who had died before I was born. My grandfather and my mother claimed to have heard a baby crying regularly, but as I didn't hear that at the time, I took very little notice of what they said. The activity got so bad that my mother, grandmother and I slept downstairs with the lights on. It was only my grandfather who was supposedly brave enough to sleep upstairs. It was then that he himself had yet another experience in there. He told us that he was lying on the bed when all of a sudden he couldn't move. He couldn't even shout out to us to help him. This could well have been sleep paralysis, but he said he distinctly heard something in the room with him. My grandmother had her own experiences. One day she went upstairs into that room to get my grandfather up when she watched the boiler door swing open violently by itself. She didn't stay there to see what it was, but she rushed out of the room. Another occasion, she said she had the sensation of something being pulled from under her foot, like she had stepped on someone's gown. We had the ghost for so long that my grandmother gave it a pet name. She called him Johnny, and my grandfather would shout out that name to provoke a reaction, but nothing would ever happen. One time my mother had an operation on her foot and ended up on crutches to support her. The local nurse would tend to her foot. 
My mother was sat on the chair when the nurse came and the nurse knelt down to tend to her foot and she told my mother there was no need to hold on to her. My mother looked at my grandmother in amazement as she was not holding the nurse at all, leading my mother and grandmother to believe that the nurse was being held by this ghostly presence. There was only one time that I ever heard the ghost being vocal. One of us wanted to use the bathroom and we could not get into the room, no matter how hard we tried. I heard quite distinctively the sound of a Gregorian chant. I'd never heard it before and never heard it again. We left in the summer of 1978 when two local businessmen bought the property and Gladstone Villa was eventually converted into a small hotel and it changed its name to Reds Park Hotel. On the night before we moved, there was one final incident we experienced, as if it knew we were leaving and that was its way of saying goodbye. My mother, grandmother and I got ready to go to sleep. The light was still on and we heard the doorknob turning as if someone was trying to get in. At first, I naturally thought it was my grandfather as he was the only one who slept upstairs in that room And as the sound went on, we thought maybe it was him playing a prank. I called out to him, but there was no answer, no laugh that would have given him away. Then we heard our belongings that we had packed in the hallway being thrown violently around. The next day we asked my grandfather if it was him playing a joke. He insisted it wasn't him, and to this day I still believe him. I had my 40th birthday at Red's Park Hotel in August 2009, for old time's sake and the staff told me about the ghost, and I told them about what happened to me 30 years before. The staff told me of their own personal experiences, lights going off and on, the odd sighting in room 5, a bride in white was seen, again, claims of a crying baby. I did a thorough research of the property and the Cardiff Road area, and I found out some very interesting things indeed. I found out from Bargoid Library and local newspaper archives that the Gladstone Villa dates back to 1900 and it was named after the former British Prime Minister William Gladstone. I discovered the previous people that lived there, the Kimiet family in 1924. The newly married couple Michael and Evelyn Kimiet had a son called Elvin. He died at the property at just four months old, which could explain the baby my mother and grandfather heard in the bedroom. Mrs Evelyn Kimiet died in 1970, soon after I was born. Maybe this is why all the activity started. I also find out that there was a monastery in Baldwin Street where my parents met and worked and there is a property directly opposite the former Gladstone Villa property in Cardiff Road dating back to the 16th century. It's now a public house called the Rafa Club. A priest's hide is said to be there but it's sealed up which could explain the monk that my mother saw. But what I've said here is true. I wouldn't share this if I couldn't possibly back it up and I've used real names as I have nothing to hide and all I've said can be verified by the family of those people I mentioned. Sadly, some of the people I've mentioned are no longer with us. I challenge any hardened sceptic and firm non-believer, and I can assure them that they will indeed most certainly question their belief system. Of this, I have no doubt at all whatsoever. In fact, I'm 100% positive. You can Google this property. It is still there in Cardiff Road, Bargoed, Wales, UK, very near Carefilly in Cardiff. This place needs to be thoroughly investigated and is well worth documenting. I'm quite serious about this and very sincere. Story number one. Okay. Oh, so much to say. I just want to say before we go any further that I adored this story because it is the most wholesome ghost story I've ever heard. And I loved the details about his family. I loved the details about their lives, about like the TV shows his grandmother used to watch. Oh my God, I just loved it. Thank you so much for sending in that story. It made my little life. So what did you think? Uh, yeah, not there's a lot of stuff going on in that house, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I just there's some really like so. First of all, when he, that thump from the, something jumping down from the attic, get bleh. out! Imagine being in your house and hearing something jumping down from the attic. Well, it reminds me of I... a story someone told me. So obviously, our attic door comes down, right? Yeah. But a lot of them are hatches and they go up. And I remember reading this story where they. There was someone in the house and they saw someone peeking Sh- down no. from the attic. No! Oh, oh, don't like that. Don't like that at all. Absolutely so not. That. I know it was a jumping down. It was a different story with, um, what's this guy's name? Andrew. Yeah, so with Andrew, obviously it's a different story because the, 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 it's the sound of something coming down from it. But God, anything to do with attics is gross. There is a theory that babies being born stirs up activity, like latent activity in houses. Yeah. So it could be that his birth, kind of the, the new energy, the new little newborn, new life in a house 
could have started something. I feel like there's more than one entity going on mm, here. Definitely. There's, like, there has to be. There's, it there's sounds a, like there's a poltergeist. Yeah. There's a monk. There's a baby. There's potentially a mum looking for the baby. Yeah. Yeah, because that would make a lot of sense if she died when Andrew was born. And yes. she lost the baby in the house. Then that's And then there's a new baby in the house. She, she might, might be like... go back to the house. <gasps> Yeah. yeah. And monks are so common in hauntings as well, which I find quite bizarre. Why like, do you find that bizarre? Because well, they, they would have moved on. Well, yeah. And it's like, they're always a little bit terrifying as well. Like, because the black monk, isn't it, is the one that's... The re- that's the really evil one. Yeah. There's, yeah, in a house in, somewhere in, in the UK. Yeah. And there's, like, there's lots of things like that where they're always connected to bad stuff. So it's like, but I guess they were up to bad things. Like some monks were Well, not were all monks were good, no. were they? And the assumption is that because they were a monk, if they were a holy person, so they must have been doing good things. But actually, not all of them were. And maybe they were, like, really unsettled yeah. in the life that they lived. But so. Super annoying poltergeist as well. Like unplugging stuff, turning music off, not having that. But I just thought the funniest thing for me was the story of his dad waking up with the ironing board on his chest. What a bizarre thing for the poltergeist to do. But what a bizarre thing to wake up to. Yeah, I know. Imagine waking up with an ironing board on you. Yeah, if you weren't in bed next to me, then I'd potentially like, I wouldn't question it because I'd just be like, all right, what are you up to? What is she doing? <laughs> but it's such a weird thing for it. Like, you such don't, a like, strange thing. It's a very thing. unique thing. It's not something that you'd hear like of a and manufactured sort of, story. It's sort of so ridiculous that you believe it because if they said oh he woke up and like you know the bed covers had been pulled off or whatever yeah, like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Wrong yeah not not the no, right genre no, okay but the fact that it, it's just so bizarre imagine really waking bizarre. up with an iron board on it i i'd be really fucking annoyed and I, and I love the imagery of his granddad giving a running commentary of where the ghost was upstairs oh, yeah. yeah he's there now <laughs> oh he's moved he's gone into the other room <laughs> and i also love the fact that they did every all their investigating as a family yeah they all yeah. went to see and i think i do the same thing i think if like i heard a noise I'd be like come on tiny bims let's go i'd be like let's go tiny bims let's go figure this out and she'd trot along with something no she wouldn't well, she no, wouldn't she get wouldn't. up off the she'd sofa, sit on the sofa. <laughs> but i'd be like dan we need to go check except maybe i wouldn't because no. there was that night where i flew downstairs and opened the door to yeah. the guy that was trying to get in mm. But whatever. As if you heard it as well. True, because I don't really hear anything <laughs> when I'm sleeping. Definitely not. So did you enjoy it? Did I loved it. Did you think it. it was a good story? I thought it was great. And there's so many things that I want. I, I kind of, as much as I really don't want to stay in a haunted place, I kind of want to go and stay in a hotel. I um, looked it up and it Philly. is closed. Oh, I know it times. closed. I, I don't know when it closed, but I did look it up because I was like, we could go there for a little road trip. <laughs> That'd be fun. It would be fun. But no, sorry, no can do. So first story, we were off to a good start. Yeah, very good start. Thank you so much, Andrew. That's really good. Our second story comes from James. And James is one of our Instagram pals. I will tag him in the Instagram post because I know he does photography. Doing it for the gram. Doing it for the gram, babe. This story is makes me feel really uncomfortable because it's kind of demonic and I don't really like it. That's unusual because normally you... Yeah, normally I'm like, ridiculous. (laughs) So are you ready? No, I'm never ready for it. Story number two. So when I was moving into my first flat at uni, I moved into a brand new block of student accommodation in Newcastle. There were eight rooms on the floor, with mine being the only double room with an ensuite. Posh, I know. Yeah, lucky boy. I know, right? I got on really well with all my flatmates, and when they had friends visiting or anything like that, they would quite often stay in my room with me and let the visitor take the single bed. I also had a TV and whatnot in my room, so people used to come and chat and chill out in my room quite often. Because of this, and the fact that I trusted my flatmates, I never used to lock my door. This might seem irrelevant now, but it becomes relevant later. I'm already not liking the sound of this. There was a bar opened directly opposite the accommodation, and everyone used to go there to play pool, have a drink, meet other students, and so on. It was like a mini-SU just for our accommodation. One night I got chatting to a lass that lived in the flat directly above mine, and she was saying how she hated the flat and had been petitioning the university to move her to another accommodation, saying that she was happy to go into a cheaper accommodation and didn't expect any refund from the amount that she had already paid for our brand new digs. I couldn't believe she wanted to move out. It was brand new, en suite, you didn't share the kitchen with too many people, it had all the amenities nearby and was really near the uni. We had a few more drinks and she sheepishly told me that the reason she was desperate to move was because she was scared of the things that were happening in her flat and asked me if anything strange had gone on in my flat, which there hadn't been as far as I was aware. She went on to tell me how things kept moving in her room, or wardrobe or bathroom doors would be open when she came back from the kitchen when they had been closed when she left her room only a few minutes before. Like I mentioned before, all rooms had Yale locks on the doors, so it would lock behind you when you left the room. She said how she started to notice things happening quite soon after she moved in, but things seemed to be getting worse, 
and she'd woken up and thought she saw someone standing by her bed a few times and things had moved in the night so she was desperate to get moved to another accommodation. I've always been really open-minded about this kind of thing but always thought that until I had an experience myself I wasn't going to be a believer as such. So I listened to all this and said nothing had happened in my flat and that I hoped she got sorted soon. It was spooky but didn't bother me at all. About a month later, I heard the university had finally caved and moved into another block of flats. After she had moved out, I thought I started to notice things had been moved in my room. But since I didn't lock my door, my flatmates used to come in and use my TV if they wanted to watch something different to what was on the living room, I never really questioned it. However, one day I had gone to the kitchen to grab a drink, and when I came back, my notepad was on the floor and not on my desk, where I'd left it. Since I knew I was the only one in the flat at the time, that was a bit weird, especially since it's not like a notepad could roll off a desk or move in any natural way. After that, I started to lock my door when I wasn't in my room, and was absolutely sure things were moving in my room. Drawers would be open when I got back to the room, that had been closed when I left. I'd find things on the floor that had been securely on my desk when I left. Now at this point, I was starting to think back to the girl I'd spoken to in the pub and tried to find her on Facebook so I could talk to her about it, but I couldn't remember her surname and I couldn't track her down. I kept hearing noises in the flat that sounded like something had fallen off my desk or had fallen in my wardrobe, but most of the time I couldn't find what had made the noise. Occasionally I'd find something that had been on my desk, on the floor, or things that had been in a drawer, I would randomly find them in my wardrobe. By this point, we were a fair way through the year, and I had only a few months left in my tenancy, so I thought that while things in the flat were definitely weird, I would just ignore it, as I would be leaving soon anyway. One day I was watching Anchorman and decided to record the song Afternoon the Light from the TV and use it as a ringtone. Sky rockets in flight. Woo! Afternoon the light. What a jam. <laughs> this was before you could download ringtones, etc. Or at least you definitely couldn't on my phone. So I'm recording it to see if the audio is actually decent and could be used for a ringtone. I listened back and the audio was so, so quiet, even though I had the mic on my phone really close to the speaker on the TV. So I'm pretty disappointed listening to the recording. And all of a sudden, there is this terrifying moan, which was so much louder than the volume of the song that was playing in the recording. It sounded like someone had their mouth literally on top of the mic on the phone and moaned as loudly as they possibly could in this guttural, awful sound. I was beyond freaked out and decided to leave and go back and stay at my parents' house for a few days. So I'm back in my hometown My parents said we'd been invited to a family friend's for Sunday dinner. Now, these family friends are from Ireland, and they are Catholic, but like Irish Catholic. I get that, James. I get that. At church every Sunday, and have the local priests around theirs for meals all the time. So me and my parents walk around to have Sunday dinner, and sure enough, the local priest is there as well. This priest was actually a really interesting guy. He was one of the few priests in the UK that had been sent by the church to look into hauntings around the UK. And while he would never talk about what he had seen, he would acknowledge that part of his job was to deal with these matters and would chat about his belief in such things. I told my mum about my recording and the things that had gone on in the flat and told her that that was why I wanted to stay at home for a few days because this recording had really freaked me out. So the conversation comes up over dinner and the priest asks if I had the recording on me, which I did since it was on my phone. He listened to it and very seriously told me to delete the recording and don't talk about it or acknowledge it in the flat. He also told me not to talk out loud to myself or whatever this was in the flat and don't acknowledge if anything was moved. He seemed pretty concerned and told me to contact him at any time if anything else happened. This obviously freaked me out even more. So I deleted the recording. And yes, I know people are going to say, well, why would you do that? You had proof and now it's just a story. Because the priest told him to. Okay, let me finish. Alright. But this wasn't just a story for me. This was my flat and meant to be my home. I didn't want a story or anything like that. And at this point, I was pretty terrified of what this thing could be. After about a week, I went back to the flat and found my room pretty much how I left it. Apart from the things that had been on my desk were now strewn across the room. I just picked them up and put them back and acted like nothing had surprised me. Nothing happened for the next few weeks and I had my exams, so I was out in the flat quite a bit at the library. One night after my exams had finished, I'd gotten an early night and woke up to what I thought was one of my flatmates pushing me on my shoulder. Not really shaking me awake, just pushing down on my shoulder. I opened my eyes and saw someone looking at me, kind of leaning over me. It was dark, but I could make out a face and the silhouette of a person leaning over me. 
I panicked as soon as I woke up enough to realise that my bedroom door was locked and this could not be a flatmate. I shouted out and scrambled to the other side of the bed and the silhouette moved up and backed away from me, essentially ending up in the top corner of my room still looking at me. I jumped out of bed and ran out of my room and along to the living room. After a while, I went back to my room, got dressed and went back to my parents' house at about 3am. I only went back to the flat to pack my things after that. And that experience has stuck with me ever since. Looking back on these events, I kind of think that taken individually, you could possibly dismiss someone of all of this stuff. I'd just woken up and it was dark, so maybe my eyes were adjusting to the dark, but I'm a heavy sleeper. And I became aware of someone pushing on my shoulder before I woke up properly. And as I woke up, I kept feeling that shove. I did bump into the girl that had lived above me a few years after this. I told her about things moving in my flat and how I'd started to get freaked out by things happening in the flat and she asked me if the shadow had started to wake me up as well and said that she kept being shook awake and that's why she begged the university to move her. I said it happened once but it was strange hearing how similar the things we experienced were. Ever since then I'm definitely a believer in the paranormal but I never want to experience anything like that again. The voice recording was honestly something I will never forget and everyone that heard it still comments on how disturbing it was. Part of me wishes I'd kept the recording so I could send it to people, but at the same time I'm glad I deleted it and moved on with my life, because that series of events is something that I want to distance myself from. Thanks James, that was horrific. Horrific. Horrible. If something woke me up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because he said he's a deep sleeper, right? Yeah. And like, I have shook you in the morning to say goodnight, say goodbye to you when I leave for work in the morning and you have barely flinched. Oh no, I never remember you leaving in the morning, <laughs> even though you always like wake so up to So if goodbye, he's a heavy sleeper like you, that takes some force to wake someone up like that. And also oh. it's not sleep paralysis because sleep paralysis, the whole point is being paralysed. And he immediately said that when he realised someone was standing over me, scrambled to the other side of the bed oh, and, and this thing, thing scrambled up the, up the wall. Yeah. Get out. It's all freaky movements and stuff like that, isn't it? Unnatural movements. And I was really like, I was even more panicked at one point because I thought he was going to say when he was looking for the girl. And I never found her. And she had died. And she was never There never real. was a girl. <laughs> oh my word. Except a girl that died in a fire 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's where I thought he was going. But it's interesting because it's a new building. Yeah, it's So how, how does that happen in a new building? I say that there were some Satanist builders that opened a portal when they were building the building. Ah, yes, that old chestnut. Yeah, because it happens That's quite standard, regularly. Standard answer to everything, those Satanist builders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh no, I don't, like, I don't like that story at all as well because it wasn't like, obviously he didn't describe anything that looked like my dorm room when I was at uni, but I could just... See, I, I never lived in dorms. I oh, lived in, I could just I lived in Dublin city centre. I could so picture that like, all happening in my room because I had a desk and a bed and a bathroom. Yeah. I haven't had a single bed, but oh. And so I could just vividly picture everything happening in my own room. Not nice. No, not nice at all. And just like, and, yeah, that's what always freaks me out about recordings as well. Like, he just, it's that, like, he hadn't, he wasn't trying to do like an EVP or anything. He was recording a ringtone. Yeah, which you did do back in the day. I remember those yeah. days of recording your own ringtone. Yeah, everyone I tried was crap, so I just gave up. You would have had really emo music as your ringtone as well. No, I mainly had like little sound bites and stuff that I thought were funny, and then when I played them back, I was like, "Nah, these are, nobody's going to find that funny. It's just going to be irritating." So delete. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. Yeah, but oh, no, I don't like it. Don't like it at all. It's horrible, James. Thanks for sharing. I'm glad you deleted it and listened to that priest because I would so have as well. A part That's of the thing that really wants to hear it though as well. Like I really mm. want to be able to go on now. I've got the recording. I'm glad you haven't. But I would have done the same thing. Like, even if you don't, like, believe in the church and stuff, if, like, a priest... I think if something makes you feel... But if, if something a, makes yeah. you feel like that... If you're, you and if you're uneasy it. about it already, and the priest is like, you need to delete it... You get rid of it. And don't acknowledge it, then you'd be like, yeah, okay, mate. Like, I actually will But I think even if, you, even if you don't believe, like, even if you're a complete non-believer, like, I'm, I'm very sceptical about things, but it's not saying I don't believe. Like, I've openly said I've seen a ghost. I do believe in ghosts. I do believe they're real. But if you don't believe and stuff is actively happening in your room that you know you are not doing, so stuff being moved, like, you're, you're naturally going to be like, this is weird. Yeah. This is, something's not okay here. Something is wrong. Oh, why, why would it be shaking you awake in the middle of the night? I just didn't like the, the reversing back up the wall. But why would it be shaking you awake in the middle of the night? Maybe it's got something really important to it. But what has that much force that it's able to, like if it's like a ghost, yeah. that it's able to like shove you and wake you up? It would have to fucking set me on fire to wake me up. Yeah. I'd be the worst person. If I was in that little flat, 
I'd be the worst person to haunt because I'd never wake up. Yeah. So if you're um, if you're applying to university this year and you're looking at Newcastle University, just make sure you choose your student accommodation well. Choose it wisely. If it's a fairly new build, yeah, <laughs> and it's opposite a bar, don't just don't do it. Don't 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 put, Any, don't put yourself through that. They might offer you a double bed and an ensuite bathroom. I'd but love it's not to know it. actually. That's <laughs> interesting. I'd love to know since then has anything happened. Maybe it's fallen down, and actually they were just trying to warn them to to get out. Get out. By climbing up the walls. Well, no, that's just a reaction. That's not a good fucking No, but warning, it might be it? like, oh, it might be an alien. Shut up, Dan. That actually made me feel funny. Stop. Well, no. Well, no, because what if it's like... No. Okay, forget the alien. Forget the alien. That was just me being silly. But just think about reactions. If someone reacts to you in a way that is loud and scared when you're not expecting it, your instant response is to back away. Yeah. So if... They were shaking them, and then he jumped up and screamed and moved towards him. And then his response is to recoil, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, that that's why I understand it. I understand it. You understand this entity. You yeah. this entity have connected yeah. on a deeper, meaningful yeah. level. If you can hear that munching in the background, it's because the cat has come in and decided to eat her dry food, <laughs> and she doesn't really have any teeth. So it's a big effort. It's a big effort for her. So I apologise if you hear that little munching in the background. Are you ready for story number three? Not if it's as bad as the last one, to be honest. That first one was lovely and wholesome and it was scary, really scary, but it was like, it was really, it was quite quaint and it was interesting. James, James has just done us a wrong enough thing. That's... Sorry, James, I'm not a fan of your story. It scared me a little bit too much. Don't need to be that uncomfortable this time of night. I was a fan of your story, James. Are you ready for story number three? Uh, okay, hang on. Before we go, on a scale of 10 being demons crawling backwards up a wall yeah. to zero being really bad jump scares in a movie where does this story sit I'm going to say it's about a five okay I can deal with it I can handle that yeah but it is a Ouija board story <laughs> and this story comes from Ruth so thank you Ruth for sending in your story we've had very um, wholesome names as well yeah, all very we? pronounceable and not yeah not really difficult to pronounce because I really struggle are you ready yes I grew up in a northern Minnesota mining town Oh, more miners. Ghosts. Weird. Yeah, really weird. I hadn't made that connection until right now. Yeah. Good book ending as well. Minor story, minor story. Newcastle in the middle. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Planning. I grew up in a northern Minnesota mining town, so close to Canada that CBC was one of our basic television channels. I'm assuming that is a Canadian television station. Yeah, I'd imagine it's Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Oh. Maybe. The Iron Range is a messed up and fascinating place, and I will never live there again. Well, one introduction. Whoa. <laughs> but I guess I can get that mining towns were probably... And the Iron Range is like the shit version of the Iron Curtain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I just like the way it's, it's a messed up and fascinating place, and I will never live there never again. Never go back there. When I was in high school waiting to graduate and escape to college, I spent all my time working in a haunted theatre and playing with homemade Ouija boards my friends and I had made in the basement art room. What? Hang- what? Spent all the time working in a haunted theatre, so did is that you an not- attraction? Did you? No, as in the theatre in the school was haunted. Oh, okay. Did you not? Was that not your secondary school experience? No. Working in a haunted theatre? No, Making homemade Ouija boards in no, a basement? Worked. No, I worked on the deli counter at Tesco's. <laughs> Pretty sure it wasn't haunted. I mean, there were some old people there, but it wasn't haunted, pretty sure. I've lots of really fucked up stories from this period of time. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Can you let me... Sorry. We are never going to get through this story. (laughs) I've lots of really fucked up stories from this period of time, because my art room friends and I messed around with the boards constantly. I had a real slacker schedule for the period of time this story covers, so I was in the art room for three periods a day plus lunch. Secondary school is amazing in the Iron Hang Range. on, you just told me not to Sorry. interrupt you, and now you're Sorry. interrupting yourself. I need to, I'm getting tired now. This is a long episode, so sh- One of the courses was called Crafts, and you literally could do anything and get a good grade. Which? So we made homemade Ouija boards, and then used empty tape spools as planchettes. I've studied this phenomena a lot since, And while I definitely do believe that idiomotor responses explain some things, there's far more to it than that. I've been told things that only I knew, and I wasn't touching the board at all when that happened. I was doing homework next to a few of my friends using it, but that's truly another story, and is why I eventually stopped. I had a young theatre teacher who befriended a few of us. Okay, red alert there. Alarm bells. Don't make friends with your teachers. It's weird. I had a young theatre teacher who befriended a few of us 
and so I also had the run of the theatre. The building was state-of-the-art at the turn of the century, but nearly a century on hadn't been well-maintained. The mining industry is always in a depression, and there were areas of it that were closed off to students for safety reasons. One of these areas was above the auditorium, on the same level as the lighting grid and curtain ropes. One day our teacher swore three of us to secrecy and snuck us up there to explore. Who is this man? This is not good health and safety practice. And also not good teaching practice. Bringing three kids off to a secret room. He sounds like a shady character. Shady. We went through a door marked properties rooms. In fading gilt paint, up a narrow stair to a hall with three doors. The first two rooms were empty except for some rotting curtains. The third was at the end of the hall and the door was closed. When we opened it, we all recoiled. It was for some reason painted scarlet, the kind of red reserved for fire engines and fingernails. The only thing in it was a closed trunk. The rest of the place was benignly forlorn, only creepy in a way that all abandoned places are. But this room did not want us, and I did not want to stay. We left in a hurry with the trunk. Why would you take the trunk with you? Because that's where all the interesting stuff is, clearly. Would you take the trunk? No, I'd open it, though. Oh, would you? Yeah, I'd want to know what was in it. You're one of those people that finds bodies when they're out for a run. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's you're one of those people. Except one big flaw with that theory. You would never be out for a run. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) All along, we'd had issues with things moving around the theatre and weird stuff happening. Things were never in the place you put them. At first, we blamed each other. But the more time we spent there, the less it could be ignored. The auditorium was always locked during the day, unless it was in use. Often our teacher would give us the keys so we could get things done during our study halls, but we had to be careful since it was a privilege. So we'd carefully lock the front door behind us, unlock the padlock to the curtain, pull booth to get supplies, come down, relock it, lock the back door, and by the time we came back in the front again, the curtain pull booth would be unlocked and standing ajar. Again, this was a padlock. To open the door like that, you had to remove the lock entirely, open the door, and then thread the lock back into just the door. It was seriously fucked up and it happened so often that we'd all check ourselves and bear witness to it being locked before we left. There is still no logical explanation for that door opening on its own. I want to make it very clear that the friends that I was doing the Ouija board with were not the same friends I was constantly in the theatre with during the day. The theatre tech kids really wanted nothing to do with our dumb boards but were very aware that there was something inexplicable happening in the theatre. I was the one who took the problem to the Ouija board. Everything that happened next was totally my fault. We had a spirit we spoke to a great deal who called herself, itself, I don't know, who knows what it really was, Janet. This story is already out of control, so I won't talk about her much except to say that she had her own special board and was the friendliest and most coherent spirit we spoke to. So I asked her about the ghost upstairs. Oh yes, she said. The building is definitely haunted. Her name is Mary Jo. Mary Jo was very reluctant to speak to us, but with Janet's assistance, we got her onto the board. The energy was very different with her than it was with the spirits who volunteered to talk to us. The planchette was slower. The whole conversation was stilted. Mostly very slow, but then at moments the planchette would fly so fast we couldn't keep up. She said very little, but when she wasn't answering the direct question, she would repeat, I cry forever. I don't remember a lot of direct quotes, but I'll never forget that. It took a long time for us to get any sort of coherent story from her. She eventually told us that she was sexually assaulted in school and subsequently died of an illegal abortion. I would just like to take a moment to say that I'm ashamed of being such a pushy, callous shithead to anyone with this kind of trauma, especially a ghost. Where in school did it happen, we demanded. Tell us where. P-or, she spelt out. P-or. Okay, I'm going to have to pause and explain my pronunciation of that letter. It's R for anybody that... But in my accent, it's an or. And this, I have trouble with this all of the time. Which is why we've had father rather than father. 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 <laughs> Don't try and take the mic out of my accent. But just so you know, I, that's the letter I'm saying. Can you say it again so people are aware? The letter is R. It's the letter after Q. P-R, she spelt out. P-R. Pool room? Physics rooms? P-R. P-R. R-E-D. P-R-R-E-D, she spelled. Jesus fucking Christ, she was talking about the creepy red properties room with the trunk in it. I lost my shit. I was the only one on the board that day who knew it even existed. 
Of course, I immediately broke my promise not to tell anybody. I was way too wigged out then to remain honourable. And worse, I was way too wigged out to keep my mouth shut about it to my teacher and my tech friends. We were in rehearsal for a Shakespearean comedy at the time, and the whole cast knew within a day. Some of them were truly scared, but my teacher and my two techie friends were actively rude about it. They weren't just dismissive, they called her names. Now, I'm old and wise enough to know that it was a coping mechanism because they didn't want to literally give the phenomenon a name, let alone a tragic backstory. We spent hours in there at night. I totally get it now. But it made Mary Jo very angry to be mocked. She told us so. She gave them nicknames, Bones, Blondie and our teacher, the bearded boy. I will do things to them, she said. Beware stage left. Not a word of a lie, she said that. Beware stage left. Just wait. We asked her what she was going to do and she wouldn't answer. She would just repeat, I cry forever. If this was a horror movie, there would be a lot of gore and bloody disembodied hands pushing people off ladders, but it wasn't like that. Blondie did get a minor concussion during a fight caught on stage left. That really did happen. And there was a close call with a ladder. But we were all on such edge by that point that nothing happened on stage left without paranoid supervision. There was no blood at all. Only tears. Every day. Every performance. Actors and crew had emotional meltdowns over the smallest things or couldn't even tell you why they were crying. Even for high school divas, it was abnormal. And it made sense to me. She wasn't evil or powerful. She was grieving and trapped in her grief. After the show was over, it settled down. But a month later, I had that experience that made me put away the Ouija board forever. But I can't forgive myself for not trying to help Mary Jo let go and move on. I really hope she eventually did. But here's the thing. While all of this is true, so far as my memory allows, I don't know at all what is true about it. I know I spoke to a presence on the Ouija board who had called herself Mary Jo. I know she was not an idiomotor phenomenon. But I don't know what she really was. Only what she told us she was. And the one thing I truly learned from that time in my life? Don't trust anything a spirit on a Ouija board tells you. Especially when it wants to tell you who it is. What a great ending to that story. Oh, have I missed something? What? What's the incident where she might never want to... She says in the beginning... Oh, she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to talk about it. So what did you think? I think that would make a really good movie. Wouldn't it? Yeah. There's a real Hollywood... Yeah. A Hollywood tinge to it. I could just imagine the build-up with her and her friends making Ouija boards in class. In art class and... Slackers. And, uh... Like sort of the breakfast club, but with demons. Yeah, creepy teacher. Yeah, we we need to listen, Ruth. We need to have a conversation about the appropriate boundaries between teachers and students. That guy sounds like a creep. Yeah. Maybe he was just trying to be one of those but, young, cool teachers. Yeah, and he probably wasn't that creepy in real life, but actually for the movie, he'd make him like slightly... Oh, I'd make him really lechy. So you'd be uneasy about it. Yeah, so you'd think, what what's he, going on between... What if he raped Mary Jo? The ghost. I don't know if that's possible. No, before she became... Oh, before she died. Yeah. Oh, before she became a... See, I just see her as Mary Jo the ghost. I don't really uh, see her as a human being. Yeah. That's See, terrible, I would have I would have some questions about him. I, I have so I have lots of questions about no, him. No, but I would make it into this. Oh, I could in the see movie. it as a, as a movie. I could see this as a movie. It'd be a really good movie, I think. Yeah, it would. Be like sort of... Yeah, it would have made a really good movie in that sort of like early 2000s oh, period early 2000s. when Scream was kicking around. This, yeah, that kind horror of like, slasher. Yeah, oh, it would have been really good. That's quite. She's quite logical with her explanation of it. Like, Yeah, she is. And I don't... like. I think that there's something... So teenagers all doing this Ouija board thing. Yeah. I think teenagers are, you know, they're not really to be trusted anyway because they don't really know themselves or understand themselves. Theatre kids, as a, as a current, you know, adult theatre kid, as a 30-year-old still theatre kid, we're, we're drama queens and we're divas. That's what we do. The amount of times I've cried inexplicably in rehearsals or before I go on stage. Yeah, but that, I kind of like that because that made sense to me. Like, it's just sometimes places are just sad. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, and know, she could have just amped up. She could have just amped up the sadness. Like that could have been her response to them being mean to her, and just like actually, you experience what I feel. I think I said that in the in the in our very first episode when I used to work in the um, in the Victorian asylum. There was a lady that used to work with my mum, and she said um, some places just have sadness built into the walls. And I always like I always remember that because it's really true. Yeah, and maybe that does leave a lasting impact on places. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't even a lasting impact, but maybe that was her way of demonstrating. Actually, don't be mean to me. Mm. 
experience what I'm what I'm feeling, experience what I'm going through. And actually, like she said in her story, she didn't think that actually she was evil. She was just sad, and that was her response to being like tormented or being called names. And actually, take me seriously. This is. I don't really understand why they'd call her names. Like, why if you said that, if you said like all of this was going on, and they're like, oh. What a bitch! Yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a like a, it's a bit of an interesting reaction to it because it's normally like either you believe and get scared or you're completely hundred like, percent dismissive of it. It's unlikely to unless it was done like unless it's been lost in translation, so so to speak. And actually, it wasn't called in names, but it was sort of like, oh look, it's Mary Jo. She's coming down, like you know, winding them up about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like taking the piss out yeah. of them. So that was our three listener three listener stories. I they were them. really good yeah. because it was completely different. Like sometimes, although I, I never know the full story when you read it out to me, sometimes I have an inkling about what they're going to be about. But I honestly, these were just completely random to me. And it was fascinating just listening to them completely raw and not know. And they were three really different stories as well. And I love the fact that people send us in stories. I love the fact that people care so much about their stories that they send them in. Yeah. They're like, I want somebody to hear this. I want somebody to listen to this. And I want somebody to care because it is like when I tell like I always tell people my ghost story always I tell it all the time you must have heard it about 400 times at this stage 463 ah uh, yeah in and around but every time I tell it I just I'm so desperate to be like no this really happened to me this wasn't normal this wasn't like a figment of my imagination this bloody happened and everybody takes it on board because it's ghost but if you were saying that story about aliens nobody would oh nobody would listen to me but they were three really different stories great stories and, and just like really interesting in their own little ways like I felt like the first story, there was loads of stuff going on and you could pick it apart for like a whole episode on its own. I feel yeah. like there was loads of stuff, but it was written in like a really sort of wholesome way and it felt very personal. You got little bits of snippets of information where you can almost picture the families. It was very well written as a story. The second one was just awful. Like not badly written, but just terrifying. Like yeah. that kind of horrific, don't really want to think about it at all. And then the third one was a very matter of fact, quite Hollywood in its ways. Yeah, I guess, and they're three really different stories, and I really appreciate them. So thank you very much. And there's more we could say, I think, but it's probably about two hours long already, isn't it? <laughs> We've got two reviews. Ooh, I'm nearly. I'm really behind on our reviews. I was going to do three this episode, and then I was like, "Ooh, no, that's pushing the boat out too much." Our first review comes from I am Jared M, and it is entitled "Great Quality and Content." If you like anything paranormal, this show is for you. Sound quality is great. The chemistry from the co-hosts is amazing and the content is perfect. I'm not saying this podcast is created by aliens, <laughs> but aliens. <laughs> is that what you written? Amazing. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed That's that. That's a great finish to review there. It's a really right? serious and proper and I just went off on the sideways. Aliens. Nice. Love it. And our second one is entitled Favourite Podcast. I've, and this comes from Michaela. This must hate us then. I found this podcast by accident while searching through iTunes. I've listened to various episodes over and over, some out of sheer fascination and others because I fancy a little scare. I look forward to the new release every Sunday and find Emma and Dan hilarious. Hey. We're not actually hilarious in no, real life, really I don't not. think. No. No, we just save it all for this. Yeah. All 40 minutes. Just really, we like, we, we write a script. And we're like, oh, is that funny? I hope this is funny. Maybe people will laugh. But if you liked this week's episode and if you liked any of our other episodes and if you just like us in general, then can you please go and drop us a little review on iTunes? Our iTunes reviews are starting to rack up a bit and I'm starting to lose track of them slightly. But, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll back, get, get back on board with that quite soon. So leave us a little review on iTunes. Leave us a rating on iTunes. If you want to contact us, you can send us your story at reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at real ghost pod you can find us on instagram at real life ghost stories and we have a little secret facebook group and i am so excited about the fact that you guys have started posting and having your own conversations in the facebook group it's adorable so please post your paranormal experiences in the facebook group so we can talk about these things so it's not me telling you about our latest episode so i love you all thank you for listening and thank you for listening for 20 whole episodes who knew I'll feel the same.